0: thank you thank you so much it is just good to be home It's the first time we have been in Indiana this year I've been pretty busy on the road my wife uh, Kristen is here honey would you stand please those of you who don't know me I know what you're thinking boy you married up dude yeah yeah I did and, uh, but just is so good to be, to be home, and uh, we have enjoyed being here. Now, some of you immediately are going, See, he have an Ohio State shirt on? And the deal is this. See, when folks leave churches and are sent out and they're missionaries, when they come back, they wear the colors of where their mission field is. I'm a missionary to the pagans in Ohio. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's the deal. My wife was born and raised there. I'm just saying that, too. And yes, I'm a Buckeye fan. All those things are true, by the way. But it's interesting, among other things, the last couple of years, as we have been away a year and a half, I've had two different uh, lengthy interim ministries. Both happen to be in Ohio. When we left here, we said if uh, God wanted us to come alongside churches that have not had the kind of resources and blessing that we've had in our ministry for four years, we would bring you all in to help with that. And boy, God took that seriously and so we've been called twice now to work with churches. The first one last year was a church where I was youth minister. My wife and I were dating and we're married there during that time 43 years ago. So God called us there, which is an amazing thing, was we there almost for a year and had their new pastor there Now I'm working with another church in Ohio and we're working toward their transition and a new pastor at that church. And so it's really been fun to go and be a missionary to the pagans in Ohio, but we're glad to be back. <laughs> Uh, here uh, today. Now I am retired. Uh, that is true, but I really prefer the term "refired." Okay, because uh, it's "refired" means you're energized without the pressure, and that really is true. Uh, we do uh, a lot of traveling. In fact, we're going to do more traveling next year. But we've been doing a lot of traveling, and enjoying the kinds of things that you should do when you're retired and uh, so we're trying to do that but at the same time getting, having the privilege of serving but there's nothing like sharing god's word with people that you love and uh, so i'm delighted to be able to be here today and was so thrilled when john asked me last summer if i could come on this particular week or i would be somewhere else preaching uh, but we're able to be here today and i get to talk to you about a question today that is a very significant one and that is um, i mean you know what it's like i know you know what it's like when you're disappointed and you're deeply disappointed at something that's happened to you or someone you love it's just not right it shouldn't happen it's not fair i mean it could be somebody said this stock can't miss it'll never go down in value uh, maybe when you were a kid when they chose up size you always knew you're going to be chose- chosen about last uh, your dad maybe said, You know what? I, this time I'm going to make it to your program. I promise. No, I, I won't miss this game. I promise I'm going to show for this game. Your friend said to you, Your secret is safe with me. Your spouse promised, Till death, do us part. Your business partner said, You just have to kind of trust me on this one. And you're disappointed you're discouraged, you're wounded, you're angry. I wonder if you've been ever untreated fairly like that, and when you're unfairly treated by someone like that, and nobody will speak up for you when you've been mistreated, that really, really hurts, and it can happen at school, at work, in your neighborhood, with your family, in the church. And I mean, you know, here's the deal. When a friend or a coworker doesn't stand up for you, that deeply hurts. But my question is this, what about those times when you're desperate for help from God and uh, it seems like God is silent? Well, that's a different level of loneliness and frankly hopelessness. When you can't hope in God, you're out of, you're out of rope. What do you do? And so we go through kinds of things often in life that are very hard to understand. I heard about this man, his wife lived in Indy, and some of you understand this after this winter. He'd had enough of the winter. His wife was still working. She was on a business trip. He just flat decided, you know what? Buying a place in Florida, I'm moving, this is it. He buys a place in Florida. He said, I'm gonna send to my wife an email and say, don't even bother coming back to Indiana. Come meet me in Florida. We're just gonna live there, done deal. So he sends her an email. Problem is he got her email address confused. But he sent the email to her. And uh, so the email arrives. But instead of going to his wife, a lady in Iowa received it, whose husband had been a pastor and he had just died the day before. So she reads this email, imagine this poor gal, she reads this email, she screams out loud as she reads the email, she faints, she falls flat down on the floor. And so the family hears her scream, they come running to see what is going on with her, what is happening, and suddenly somebody read the email, it was right there still right in front of them, looked on the desk, and they read the email and they understood exactly what happened. The first line simply said, my sweet darling, I just wanted you to know I have arrived safely. (laughs) The second line said, I'm looking forward to you joining me tomorrow. (laughs) Sign your husband. P.S. It sure is hot down here. Now the deal is, I like that a lot, don't you? Yeah, that's a good one, that's a good one. Okay, now here's the deal. Uh, sometimes we just kind of uh, think God has let us down and other times we know something is wrong. This you shouldn't be, it isn't right. And Philip Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God, a perplexing title, a bold title. Disappointment with God? He received hundreds of letters from people who were deeply disappointed in god one young mother wrote about her joy turning to sorrow and bitterness when she learned her her newborn baby had spina bifida she writes about the financial burden on her family how her marriage literally fell apart because her husband resented the time she had to spend with that child and she wrote finally in those words i have to hate to say it but i'm beginning to doubt the god i once believed in who i thought was so loving and really cared how about you You ever felt like maybe God has let you down? I mean, you desperately prayed. And you know what you prayed, certainly God would want to deliver on, but it just seemed like he wasn't listening. Or if he was, boy, he doesn't seem to be caring about it because you're not hearing anything. Here's the question I'd like to pose to us today as we begin to dig in a little bit. The question is this, what do you do when your expectation of God does not measure up to your experience with God now I know you may have never said those words before but I know you've thought them or if you're human you will eventually it's just going to happen so the question is when it happens what do you do now in this series prepare the way pastor John asked me to preach on John 11 today and I was so excited I couldn't wait to talk about this passage today for a couple of reasons because Jesus is a story of this family he was very very close with two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And in the story, Lazarus is seriously ill. I mean, he's close to death. They realize this is the case. He's at his home in Bethany. Problem is, Jesus is at least two days away from the site of this. Now, there are many Bethanies in the Bible. This particular Bethany is about two and a half miles southeast of Jerusalem, which is where the Passion of the Christ is going to go down. So, he's very close to where things are going to be happening And Jesus could arrive, but he doesn't go there. And this story also takes place, by the way, less than, John gives us just this information. It's less than four months until Jesus will go to the cross and die for our sins and be resurrected from the grave. And so it's less than four months away. It could have been four days away, but it's some time that's four months or less before he goes to the cross. And after this event, because it's so significant, They're ready to crucify jesus so jesus stays pretty much out of the public from this time on until they come to arrest him and ultimately crucify him well john chapter 11 is where we're going to study this story together today we'll put the scriptures on the screen so we all can kind of study together i'll begin to read it in verse 3 from the new living translation it simply says this so the two sisters sent a message to jesus telling him lord your dear friend is very sick Now the point of the story here is that this prepares the way ultimately for jesus death and resurrection is going to be happening so this incident kind of sets up that jesus has the power to deliver and to overcome death now he healed many people that he didn't even know complete strangers he did it regularly so imagine this dear friend is seriously ill you'd think jesus immediately would show up when he realizes he's seriously ill but not so much Look at verse 4, but when Jesus heard about this he said, well Lazarus is sick and it will not end, his sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And And John who writes like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're like four witnesses on a stand who tell their eyewitness testimony what they saw and experienced in the life of Christ. John gives us the most detail. He was the closest to Jesus and he knew the friendship with Jesus In the family and so he adds this commentary in verse 5 and jesus loved he loved martha mary and lazarus now in the story of course jesus is saying it's okay guys lazarus isn't going to die there's no hurry here but john is the writer i would i would say if you have your bibles where it says jesus loved mary martha and lazarus right out your side of your bible spoiler alert because John is telling us, now this really is going to sound like a terrible story, but trust me, it's going to turn out okay. I like it when somebody tells me, this is dark, how's this going to end? Stay with it, it's going to end all right. You're going to feel good at the end of the story. So he says, you need to know, as as you hear this event, Jesus really loved them. But you would expect Jesus to rush immediately to their side and respond but notice verse 6 no he stayed where he was for the next two days so i mentioned he's two days away and finally he said to his disciples let's go back to judea so he gets this desperate cry for help from this family that he loves but he stays where he is for two more days and it's going to be two more days to arrive what do you do when god is silent mary and martha where's jesus we sent word Here's the truth. When God is silent, it's frustrating, isn't it? Oh, man, it's frustrating to you and me because, number one, we want what we want. I mean, man, you know, if we love the Lord, if we pray for good health and our health does not improve, man, that's discouraging. Why wouldn't God raise me up to use Him for His glory? And so we we want what we want. But not just that's not our only problem. We also want what we want. Yeah, right now. Heard about this man that prayed to God. He said, God, is it really true that with you a thousand years, I mean, a thousand years is like a minute to you? And God said, yeah, that's true. The guy said, God, is it true that a million dollars is just like a penny to you? God said, yeah, that's true as well. And the guy said, well, Lord, if a million dollars doesn't mean that much to you, could I have a million dollars? God said, sure, just a minute. <laughs> See, the deal is we expect God to answer according to what we want and when we want it so we're going to dig in and study this passage together today because i think we can learn first of all that we can trust the lord even when it feels like he has let you down but i have to tell you that in this story as he prepares the way for his death and resurrection oh he does it in a very shocking way number one on your outlines his immediate response here is to wait That doesn't make sense that's not what you expect but Jesus don't miss us he's moving toward them even though they don't know it he's moving toward them the sisters are waiting meanwhile they're over here for a day 24 hours that's a long day another day another day another day and finally Jesus shows up and by the time he arrives guess what Lazarus has been dead and he's been dead now for four days now come on when you have to wait on God and things don't end up so well. How do you handle that? Especially so if you know your request to God has been something God's in sync with. Can I just tell you something? When we relocated this congregation from the center of town to this site, this, we, were, we were on a two-acre site. We ended up at this 118-acre site. Seventeen years ago is when we moved to this site, September 2001. But from the time in an elders' meeting we said, maybe we need to think about more land, so we can reach more people, have greater kingdom impact. Until we moved here, it took nine years. Nine years when God, you know this is what God wants you to do, but it takes so long you begin to wonder, is it really going to happen, God? I mean, what's, I thought we were so in sync, what's going on here? And so it's hard to understand But finally now you look back and when we got here, has it been worth the wait? Oh my goodness, thousands of people, many of you would not know Christ today probably had we not moved here. Boy, was it worth the wait. Um, When I said to my wife, hey babe, you know what, I've been here 31 years, I think think maybe it's time that we retire and pass the baton. I shared with the elders, it's like it was a total surprise, a shock to them as well. We worked through the process we prayed through the process and just it was just time to do that we sensed and when i left here i said to the congregation hey you know what god's got a plan and if the lord gives us opportunity to help churches that have been blessed the way this one has been we want to be able to do that boy god has done more we can imagine not just the two interim churches but probably half a dozen churches i've coached and taught about breaking the barriers for growth a number of states and we're recording actually uh, something with the Center for Church Leadership in September to help churches break those barriers to growth. You know, 90% of churches never have an influence more than 400 people in America, and the number's going down. So to be large enough to have a, have an impact is really a difficult thing to do. And so there's some critical barriers that do get in the way. And so we have to get the chance to do that. Who knew? My wife and I continually, just for a year and a half, say, "Can you believe what God?" that's done here i mean just over and over and over again and when i left here some of you remember i kept saying hey folks the best is yet to come trust me and now you're looking back some of you have been around for a year and a half oh my goodness the best was yet to come and guess what it's still yet to come john and i met a couple of weeks ago and he shared with me the vision he's going to unfold with you it's called greater things i love the theme we believe in the theme My wife and I still give our tithes this is our church family here because we believe in what's happening here and the vision is going to be happening and you'll be pumped about it as well so you just we never know what God is doing you look back and you go oh now I get it now we see how God was moving in ways that we never could have imagined before but that's just what God does but the truth is often if I had my way it'd be much different than God's way I mean if I had my way, Indiana would be by an ocean. Can somebody say Hallelujah. Some of you who just got back from the ocean today, aren't you happy to be home? Don't lie now, don't lie. I mean, I'm sorry, but ice cream and health and pie, that, that, that's going to be a health food if I'm in charge. I mean, if I could have my way, there's no way that my dad would have died when I was nine years old. And my, my mother would be alone throughout most of her adult life. There's no way my wife's mother would die of cancer uh, 10 days before her first grandchild and our first child was born. There's no way I would have ever written that script and said, God, please, could we do it this way? But what we've learned and are still trying to learn day by day is this truth that God is never, ever early and He's never, ever late. I'm telling you. Uh, It's this wonderful phrase, when Jesus came, it said, when time had fully come, at just the right time, Jesus came. And I I know that not yet, right now some of you are right there, and it seems like not ever. (laughs) Besides, by the way, who, who here loves to wait? Nobody likes to wait. At the grocery store, can I just be honest with you, I've never ever intentionally went, gee, where's the longest line? Who would do that? If you are you are messed up and you need to get a life, okay? We don't like to wait. When we leave here today, my wife and I are going to talk about a lunch. We'll talk a little bit about, about the food. but we're going to talk about is a fast, because there's a, a nap waiting for me. Priorities. Fast, you know. We don't like to wait. And so we'll say, God, God, please, when we get serious, God, I mean it, God. Would you please heal my marriage, whatever it takes? God, would you repair this conflict? It's breaking my heart. It's breaking them. What do I do? God, would you please fix our finances? It's like there's no way out. And God, could you do it by 9 o'clock tonight? And God, I pray this humbly in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) I mean, that's, we may not say it that way. Man, we're thinking it that way. And more times than not, what I've found is even in a crisis, God says, not yet wait and when god says wait our initial reaction is to hurt it's okay to understand that we are hurting when this happens mary and martha are deeply hurt that jesus did not show up because it didn't feel like he cared i mean man he could have shown up in a split second and he finally shows up guess what he is too late lazarus is dead now it's an amazing thing both sisters come to jesus when he comes on the scene and though they're not together they say the same exact thing to jesus it's kind of amazing Uh, notice verse 21 of the text martha the first sister says to jesus lord if only you would have been here my brother would not have died now skip down to verse 32 Mary, the other sister, says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you believe they said the same exact thing? In other words, they are saying, yeah, you've shown up, but he's dead. You could have stopped that from happening. Now, the the tendency is we tone down the Scripture, don't we? I mean, we typically tone it down. But, folks, this is brutally honest. I mean, it doesn't read like Mary and Martha working for Chick-fil-A. Praise the Lord anyway. Have a good day. My pleasure. No. They are ticked off. They are confused. This is not right. They are frustrated. They're hurt. And flat out they are angry at Jesus. Because that's what they're feeling. He could have saved him from dying. It's a fact. And clearly you're not that we're not that high on your priority list because you are too late now by the way some of the greatest people in the bible struggled in this same way for instance king david as an example in the old testament god called him to become the king you know how long he had to wait before he became king when he told he was going to become king 15 years a decade and a half he had to wait so what happened in the meantime king saul tried to kill him for 15 years while he's been promised that he'll lead the people of god And then David is so frustrated, he's so authentic. Here's what he said in Psalm 13. This is a man who's described as a man after God's own heart. Have you ever felt this way? He said, oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with this anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart, like every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? No, I think he's being respectful before God, but he's also saying, God, you're too late. What's the deal? And you may have recently said, God, I mean, God, how long? How many, how many times am I going to ask you about this? How long before this property sells? Everybody else's property is selling. What's the deal? God, this, they talk about their marriage being healed. God, ours lacks love Would you please heal our marriage? Is that ever going to happen? Now, would you ever provide a way out from this dead-end job? Well, where's the open door for me? And so this would be God's Word to you and to me, not if, but when we're in that situation of waiting and hurting, and that is we must remain faithful. I mean, that's the message to us as a family of faith. In other words, folks, when you're waiting and you're hurting and it makes no sense, this is an opportunity to show that you trust in Christ. And those who do not trust in Christ, there's a difference between those who do and those who don't. In other words, when you trust in the timetable of God, that's when God does His best work. And that's when you always need to pray, Lord, this is so frustrating, but God, while I'm waiting, would you you teach me lessons right now as I'm waiting that I wouldn't learn any other way? There are lessons you learn in the waiting room you won't learn any other way. Lord, uh, work in me and through me in your time. Now listen, there's no way in the world I want to diminish the pain in the hearts of some people here. You walked in here today, you're hanging on by your fingernails. In fact, you came today and you're going, I'm giving it one more shot. You're just ready to say, like that lady, you know, I'm just about out here. I just don't know what else to do. I mean, God, how how long am I going to be passed over at work? How long have people going to be dishonest with me about this About my son and my daughter we prayed and prayed for them we tried to raise them to show them the way then they would go and then they would not depart well they've departed they've rebelled god how long some of you how long before i get to be the bride instead of the bridesmaid how long will i have this mental i mean mental emotional physical pain will it ever go away you know how many times king david said how long in the psalms alone 20 times so you're in really good company if you get to the place you're honest to say god how long is this situation going to be but then in that moment you say god how long would you also then pray and say lord would you help me to emerge from this pain boy this hurts and lord i'm frustrated would you help me emerge stronger in my faith the way David did eventually. And by the way, that's what's amazing, as God is working in his heart and the Holy Spirit is inspiring these words to us. In the middle of his pain, he said, how long? Nothing has changed, understand. The circumstances have not changed. His life is still in danger. He's still waiting for the chance, supposedly, to get to be the king. But in in the midst of it, God seems to have let it down. He declares the greatness and goodness of God. Look at verse 5 of the same psalm, Psalm 13. But Lord, oh yes, I'm frustrated. Lord, yes, how long? But you know what, God? I do trust in your unfailing love. I do. He may have had to write a hundred times on the board. I do. I trust in it. I trust in it. I trust in it, God. And I will rejoice because you've always rescued me. I know you're going to do it again. I know you will. In my heart, I know it back to the story in John chapter 11. Martha said, if you'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus affirms her. Notice verse 25, very significant. He affirms her, hey I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Lazarus is going to be okay. I know he's dead but I've got this and he's going to be okay. Now when Mary comes Jesus' response is different. When she says my brother would not have died if you would have been here his response is not to affirm her because she becomes emotional as we're told she falls on her knees but then verse 33 says jesus saw her weeping and he saw the other people wailing with her and a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled are you intrigued with that phrase did you think jesus ever had deep anger why does he well up with anger and frustration don't miss this when bad things happen to good people, when people are in grief, it breaks his heart. And he's angry at Satan. And so should you be. We send our anger toward God when things don't go the way we want them to. You need to know Satan is the author of pain, he came to, to still kill and destroy. Don't ever forget that. So Jesus is angry at the grief that's happened. He looks into the eyes of this broken family and it breaks his heart because of what they're going through. This wasn't supposed to happen this way, but it's all because of sin and Satan. But he he knows he's going to conquer that pretty soon through his death, burial, and resurrection. And you just need to know today, again, if you're the one hanging on by your fingernails, the Lord looks at you, he holds your face in the palm of his hands and his heart is breaking with your heart. Says that in heaven, there's a wonderful picture. He, he collects our tears in a bottle. When you arrive, I think he's going to say, I've got every one of them. He's not absent. He's not looking the other way. He understands. And here, he understands. And he weeps with her. He doesn't have to. He can say, hey, trust me, I've got this. No, he weeps with her. And so the deal is we must remain faithful. But let's also remember a couple of things. He loves us. I mean, we remain favor because He does love us. It may not feel like it at the moment. You know, Jesus cried here because He really loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And He loved all the people in the house who were in grief. And He loves you in your grief. You say, wait a minute, why didn't He weep with Martha? Because Martha needed a lesson. That's the difference. Don't miss this in this story. God is a powerful God, but He's also a personal God. Sometimes people pray, Gee, I prayed, but I got a different answer. God doesn't respond to us all the same way, because He knows what you need more than you do. He totally understands. He's a very personal, personal God. And so they had different needs. And so when they arrive at the tomb, Jesus says, roll the stone aside, and Martha, bless her heart, she wants to just inform Jesus. Did you ever inform Jesus? <laughs> just want to make sure you understand something here. So Martha says, Lord, I just need to tell you the last part of verse 39. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell, smell will be terrible. Yeah, and Jesus said, oh, no. No, he understands. Listen, listen. He's about to give Martha another lesson. Why did he wait four days? To prove Lazarus had died. When they opened the tomb, they knew he'd died. There was no denying it and so nobody could say this is a hoax. That's why he waited the four days and she needed a lesson to prove that he was who he claimed to be and he conquers the grave as foretelling that he'll conquer the grave in his own resurrection and he's conquered the grave for those who you love in the Lord and he's going to conquer the grave for you too. Verse 43 So he shouts, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. They literally saw a dead man walking and they do it. That's why after this story they wanted to kill him. They said, he's going to turn his face upside down. And that's why Jesus, it wasn't time yet, so he kind of disappeared for a little while. But this really is a sign of his future resurrection. So that's kind of lesson number two here. We should remember that he gives grace and eternity especially when things don't make sense and we're hurting and waiting and we're grieving that's the lesson martha needed to get that even though we doubt him even though we don't deserve his grace he forgives our sins anyway through the cross and he gives us eternal life after we die see the lesson one more time to make sure we understand it when he said i am the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live even after dying and so while we're waiting And while we are hurting, number three, please hear this today. The Lord is always at work, even in your situation. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, He's at work right now in your situation, though you don't see it. He waited before resurrecting Lazarus to prove He was the Messiah, but His apparent apathy to them and His apparent apathy to you is driven by His eternal love for you. And you'll see this in time. The question is, will you believe the promise that Paul described to the Holy Spirit when he said that we know, we know, Romans chapter 8 verse uh, eight, verse 28 says this, we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Not that everything is good, even the bad stuff. He causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Now, I've got to go back for just a minute to the commentary When John said, I want you to know up front, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He wrote that so we would remember also the big picture when we're going through these these moments. He loves you. You may feel like He's disappointed you, but He loves you. And so He inserts the love that He has for the family. And we have to always remember the same words when we're going through this time of waiting and hurting because God wants you to know he, He loves you right this moment and he is at work uh, for your good in his time and so not if but when life throws you a curve through sickness injustice or tragedy or death we must learn we must learn to never ever forget the lord does love me and in the moment that moment by faith i believe that god loves me more than i can ever comprehend i'll never comprehend it but he does And in that moment, I have to believe that God will always act in love toward me, even when I don't see it going on. By faith, I believe that God will always give me grace so much deeper than I will ever comprehend and that I don't deserve. And I believe by faith He's preparing a place of eternity where we'll all be with Him by His grace and mercy one day, beyond what I could ever ask, think, or imagine. By faith, I'm going to believe in that, no matter what comes my way. Mary and Martha they knew what they wanted, but Jesus knew what they needed. Now I want you to notice one more significant comparison here. Oh, don't miss this. Lazarus come out. That had meaning for one person. That would be Lazarus. He came back to live for a while, okay? But then verse 25, has implications not for one person, but for every person in this room, every person watching and listening to this message right now. Verse uh, 25, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone. Start over. Say everyone. Everyone Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? See, if we believe, believe that we're going to live beyond the grave, that's good news. You say, well, What if we don't believe? Well, you know, take your time to try to figure out what you do believe. Be fair to yourself intellectually and examine the evidence. But at the end of the day, the Bible is honest, and I wouldn't be honest, and I wouldn't be faithful if I didn't tell you what Jesus said about that. In John 3, verse 36, it says, God so loved the world, right, He gave His life for us. But it also says in verse 36, anyone who doesn't obey the Son, who doesn't trust in the Son, will never experience eternal life, remains under God's angry judgment. And that's why the vision of this church will always be to connect as many people as we can to Christ before life is no more as we know it. And so we are here today to invite you again to trust in a faithful God by faith because life is not like some Hallmark movie where everything comes together the last 10 or 15 minutes. That's not real. No, in this life... uh, I mean, wicked people, persecute people who love the Lord. Happens every day. Cancer disrupts plans. Companies downsize. Drunk drivers kill. Families in this church have had a father killed and family members killed from a drunk driver. Just like that, this destroys the family. It happens. Innocent people. And by the way, people die. And they stay dead for days and months and years, decades in centuries for a season you see we have to answer that question do you believe this hebrews eleven six 6 says it's impossible to please god without faith anyone who wants to come to him must believe that god exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him so the question is please do you will you trust your story all of it the good, bad, and ugly. Will you trust your life? Will you trust us in your life? Will you entrust your faith to Him? Because like every parent here knows, you see a much different perspective than your kids do. And God sees a perspective you and I do not see. And He's waiting patiently, and He's wanting desperately for us to understand how deeply He loves every single one of us. Would you notice the slide that's on the screen that's not on your outlines? The slide simply says this, Jesus loved Martha mary and lazarus would you on your notes write down fill in the blank jesus loved martha mary lazarus and me would you write the word me and now let's say these words together let's declare these words as truth together no matter what you're going through right now would you say this with me out loud jesus loved martha mary lazarus and me say it again Jesus loved Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and me. Now will you cross out me and write down your first name? And would you say these words quietly to the Lord yourself? Jesus loved and he loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and your first name. Would you please close your eyes and allow the Lord to speak directly these words to your heart today that if you believe in me, you will never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. God, as we come to remember your sacrifice, thank you, Lord, for the reminder today that even when life hurts so deeply, your love is stronger than our pain. And through your ultimate death, burial, and resurrection, God, that gives us eternal hope for for anyone who's willing to call on the name of the Lord. As as we remember you by taking of the bread and fruit of the vine and your sacrifice, would you help us, help us, God, to remain faithful even when life hurts uh, so deeply. God, I pray for those here today who have not (coughs) yet Made that decision to walk with you or even maybe ask those questions about faith about the bible Uh, this is a this is a very safe place this church is at the connection corner and folks after the service in the front be glad to pray and talk with people who have those next steps i pray that those here today who would say i'm not there yet i'm not sure i ever will be but god i just pray that this will prompt them to say i've got to decide about this Because if this is is true, if this is hopeful, I need to know this. And God, I just pray you'll give them the freedom to sort out their questions and find, God, that we can taste and see that, that you are good. Even when life attacks us every way possibly. So much brokenness mentally, in this world today and emotionally relationally and spiritually and god you alone can make us whole and we can help each other broken as we are in the journey and we come collectively to this moment when we remember the sacrifice of jesus and in light of his sacrifice may we determine god that we will remain faithful to the point of death that ultimately we too may receive the crown of life which the righteous will receive on that day when Christ ends the world as we know it, and there will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or pain. Draw us to you and your dear son and teach us in this season lessons we would not learn any other way. We pray in Jesus' name, everyone said.